0: February 1st, 2023. We're in Masechet Betza, and Daf Gimal Amud Bet. If you count from the widest lines up, it's two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven or so lines up. And uh, the Gimara, if you recall, is in the context of debating and discussing this Beraita that it's cited, the Metive, For our purposes, I'll catch you up to date on the specifics of what we're dealing with. The last two halakhot mentioned in this Biraita went as follows. We're dealing with a betza, with a, an egg which was hatched in some way or fashion. And the second to last halakha went like this. It said sefeikha, there's a situation of doubt, asur, it's prohibited. That was the first statement. second statement was not only is it that if you're doubting something about the status of this Egg, uh, there's an isur. Furthermore, if that egg, it sounds like, got mixed into a, a, a group of even a thousand other eggs, kulana surot. All of those eggs would be prohibited; it would be asur as well. Those are the statements in the beraita. Now, uh, leaving aside why we got into this and what the other opinions were that brought us to this and questioning, what the gemara is at in this, uh, at, in this, in this instance is the following interpretation to this beraita. What we're talking about with regards to this safik, this uncertainty, is what we call safik terefa. We're uncertain whether this egg was birthed by a chicken, which is what's called taref. When it comes to animals, there's a mishnah that lists 18 different simane terefa, which means to say 18 different uh, situations and uh, ailments that an animal might have, which render it taref it's not kosher even if you slaughter it kiddat vekadin since the animal had that ailment since it had some internal uh, problem which was going to according to the rabbis understanding lead to its uh, death in an imminent uh, fashion that in and of itself invalidates it. So what the situation in turn is, is this egg was birthed and we're uncertain whether it was birthed to a chicken that was terefa or not. So that's first and foremost. When the beraita said sefeka asur or asura rather, betza asura, the halacha was talking about you walked into, you woke up in the morning, walked into the chicken coop and you realize and no, you had two types of chickens. One was the unkosher chicken and it was a kosher chicken and somehow they got mixed up overnight and and there's an egg, and you don't know which one of them gave birth to it. Is it the kosher chicken or the unkosher chicken? As uh, Alan helped us realize yesterday, there's a major, uh, major statement that the Gemara is assuming. It's a Gemara Masechet <laughs> Bechorot, which tells us that something that comes out of something else, which is unkosher, in turn is unkosher. It's for that reason, by the way, that the Gemara and the Hachamim thereafter search for sourcing, not only as I talked about yesterday, milk in general, but milk at its core, milk comes from a living animal. You can't eat from living animals. You can't take a uh, bite out of a leg or crack a leg off of a, a cow and, and eat from it. You have to slaughter the cow. Milk comes from it while it's alive. How do you know that? Milk is kosher, rest assured. Milk is kosher. The question that I addressed very briefly yesterday was, are the majority of the cows that, from which we get our milk, are they not terefa? Can we assume that? Now that is the assumption. If you don't have that assumption, for example, if you're a farmer or uh, uh, animal uh, herder or something like that, and you know that this animal is tarif, you can't drink from the milk. Just like over here, you can't eat from the egg of the chicken if it is tarif. But I'm uncertain whether this egg came from the tarif tarne or the kosher tarne That's stage one. Safek de oraita humra Since I'm uncertain about the status of this egg, I need to go humra But the next words were very surprising. Because we have a halakha, <laughs> as we discussed, as we mentioned, as we all know, and it's called a bimlah tot. You go based on majority. Rashi quotes the pasuk in the Torah. Had bitre batil, from the Torah. One, which is mixed in with two others, one is problematic, the two others are not. They get mixed around, not purposefully, obviously. Uh, we call that bitul. It gets invalidated, it gets annulled. Well, that being the case, I'm sorry, this egg. Woke up in the morning, my goodness, I can't believe I let them be together overnight. Now I don't know the status of this egg. But lucky us, can you imagine? My son, my daughter went in and was playing with the egg. She wouldn't have been playing with that. Played with the egg and mixed it in with the whole collection of other eggs. We must be okay now. We have what's called B2. We didn't do it purposefully. No, says so the birayta, even if there's a thousand other eggs, not only is it that that egg maintains its isur, all of them now are invalid. Where'd that come from? How could you? Why would you make such a claim that there's no bitul in this situation? So the Gemara, based on its other conversation, talks about something called Davash Bebinyan, but uh, excuse me, Davash Matirin. But now, in this context, how do you explain that? That's where we pick up, says the Gemara, Vejite What's that? No. No, we're not talking about holiday any longer. According to this interpretation of the Gemara, nothing to do with holiday, I walked up, woke up in the morning, and there it is, and I had a tarif uh, tanagolic. I'm taking it away from holiday and Shabbat now, right? Because I wanted to make it a Isur from the Torah. If you recall, that was the conversation yesterday. Since I want to establish a situation where it would be biblically prohibited, I can't, according to B'itzchak Hakanav Yosef, talk about holiday and Shabbat. That's only rabbinically prohibited. So I'm making it biblically prohibited. Any day of the year, I'm un- assuming, I'm uncertain the status of this egg, Asur, whether Shabbat, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and yeah, so forth. <laughs> That being the case, says the Gemara, but maybe here's the solution. We began talking about this yesterday, and this will really bring us through our conversation today in the Gemara. It goes like this. There are other exceptions to the rule with regards to invalidating and annulling something, what we call bitul. Uh, so we mentioned one yesterday. Put that out of your mind for today. Uh, there's another one, and we can somewhat uh, uh, understand this one easily. It's what's called davar hashu. What does davar hashub mean? Dabar hashub means the item has a significance. Somehow we objectify significance, importance, in and it of itself to the extent that it got mixed in. I don't care if it got mixed in. You can't take away its status. It's too hashub. You think you're going to mix that important person into a group of 100,000 people and he won't still stick out? Of course he still sticks out. You might not pick up on it immediately, but he doesn't just did mesh himself. That's for the Amcha, for the regular people. This davar hashu maybe eggs by definition or what does defined as davar hashu. And for that reason, afilu be'elif lo'batir. We're gonna. Even though it's not identifiable, but no, I'm telling you, this Hashub guy got mixed in with a million people. He's in a stadium, a huge stadium, biggest one ever, right? And uh, nobody could actually pick him out. But you turn to me and you said "If you have a very sharp eye, you know, of sixth sense, you could pick out this guy's different." So the situation over here is, you can't actually see that, but by definition, inherently, since it's a davar Hashub, the Torah never said you could have bitul on that. I'll give you a mashal. A mashal, it's not the same thing, but it's along the same lines. Uh, There was, some 25 years ago, there was a a raging debate in New York City about the water. I talked about milk yesterday. Water today. Was the water that comes from the tap kosher or not? and Why shouldn't it be kosher? Because there was and is, apparently, there are some living organisms in it. I don't know, true true story. That's, uh, that's, so there was a question and for some for a time period, even the OU and the Va'd and of Flapush were saying Keilah and all of them were if Keilah was around, they were all saying you need to put a filter on your sink. I remember we bought a filter for our sink. that's what the Kashrut organizations were taught. And then it fell away. I mean, if if you don't have a filter, don't get too nervous. Why'd it fall away? What happened was um, they determined that to the naked eye you couldn't see these organisms. And that's the way halacha works. If it can't be seen by the naked eye, I, well, every time, um, Dr. Mastery, I think has told me this more than once, every time I breathe, I'm breathing in the living organism. I open my mouth and I, and I, and I, and I suck in the air. I'm, Right, that has to be noticeable to the naked eye. But here's the critical part. Even when there was this claim, this isur, this, this problem with regards to the water, the claim was alternatively, if the water is boiled, you don't have an issue. Killed What's it? it? So you killed it, but so what? It's still, still azur. You're not allowed to eat insects, whether uh, dead or alive. But it goes like this. The assumption or the knowledge was that once you boil it, not only does it die, it gets smothered into many, it gets uh, all sorts of different little pieces. It gets broken up. The isur of those living organisms, we should have said, are you going to tell me that there's not bitul? Are you going to tell me that those little insects, there's uh, billions of gallons of water rushing through? How many of those insects, even if there are millions, how are they going to have bitul on them? It was what's called a biryah. Biryah means a full organism. Full organism, lo batil. If you're dealing with a full item that's in the mixture, even if you can't necessarily, once it's mixed in, see it, that's like davar hashuv. That's what we're talking about over here. Once it got boiled, the counterclaim was, now it's no longer davar hashuv, no longer a biryat. You have yeah, this big problem with strawberries, right? So people okay, some now they strawberry shape. So, you mixed in, you saying that's the same thing. A strawberry, uh, I want you to. I, I, I'm not going to get into the full analysis, especially because I don't actually know it. I just follow what the Kashrut organizations tell me. I have books on it, I've read about it. But what I will tell you is there's certainly more room for leniency it's once it's broken up. Now, there's also a problem which is called in the Vatilini sur lechatech, You're not allowed to say, oh, I know there's an Issue in here, let me crush it up. But assuming you didn't know about it, there's more room for leniency. At the same time, I'm very happy. I've call them out in, in, in URIs. When you, when you order, they have it cleaned beforehand. So they're not relying on that. because There is more room in that context once it's crushed up, assuming that wasn't the intention and the knowledge beforehand. Okay, But that all being the case... In the water, you knew. In the water, you knew. In the water, you assumed. You didn't know there was organisms throughout. You assumed, uh, what do I know? I didn't statistically know how much there was. The point was, ironically, even if there's... You know, I'm giving an absurdum, not for real. But let's say there was even one. It's going to mess up the whole system if it's visible and it might be in your thing because it's a birya. That's the type of point I'm trying to make over here that when it's a full organism, there's no bitul on it. And so to an hour, when we call about something, we call something a davar hashub. There's no bit tool. How do we define the varhashub? Okay, here we get to the critical line. I talk with you about someone who's important. How do you define important? I said to you yesterday, the philosophy, the name, Professor Anderson, I think was his name, I forgot his name, he was talking about how do you define a rich person. These are hard things to define. What are you going to go based on? You need to quantify whatever. So what you have that sort of issue. And the haqamim are always looking to quantify, either based on tradition or they're determining on their own. What's the definition of eating? And Kabetza, where the, those are definitions. They're objectifying. That's what they're doing. Well, what's the definition of Talmud Torah? I make a Torah. What's the definition? Like Yomara talks about, that's throughout. That's what they're looking to do, to quantify and give you objective uh, measurements for things. Now, what's the definition of a Davar hashu, oh, That'll be the million dollar question. So if we can assume and we could identify an egg as a Davar Hashuv, I solved the, solve the riddle over here. Why is it Aphilu Lo Batil? Why is there no Betul? No annulment on this because it's davar hashuv, but how are you defining davar hashuv? So here's the last stage of introduction. It goes like this: We're going to define a davar hashuv in this context based on how it would be sold. I mean, we're talking about foodstuffs. Uh, what do you mean how it would be sold? It goes like this: When you walk into the store, say the rabbis, how do you buy that item? Do you buy the item based on evaluation, what we call omed? The person says, there's about 15 in this bushel. Go ahead and you pay me this amount, or do they count them up? If they count them up, and mind you, certainly the way eggs are sold today, to the best of my knowledge, throughout the world, is in dozens, that's counted, you're paying for the egg, based on how many are in it, (laughs) hashu. However, and really last stage in this conversation, it goes like this. What if sometimes you go to one merchant and he'll sell it to you based on number? Hashub. You go to another merchant, another seller of eggs, and he'll tell you based on evaluation. What's the status of eggs then? If it's not an item which is universally, or at the very least in our country, our city, sold as what's called the Davar Shebnyan, which we are saying is the objective characterization of Davar Hashub. But rather, it's sometimes sold and sometimes not sold based on its number. What's its status then? The words. You think by selling by a dozen is completely the opposite because you don't care which one it is. Right? right. That's how it's pursued, right? Yeah, you're saying what? Uh, the, yeah, but, You're saying, oh, this is a good one. But you're not buying them by the piece. You're not buying them by the piece. <laughs> now, no, I understand you're talking a whole lot you're not a refined man here right? I and mean, you're talking even beyond we're not so far you're talking about buying them by the piece. no we're not buying them by the we're buying a, a, a bundle of them we're not so that hasho if it's that hasho no, no question does, yeah, we, well one lower than that one lower than that the question is how it's being sold all the way okay says the Gemara over here and perhaps you'll uh, claim and again we're up from the wide lines about 10-12 lines or nine lines or nine lines we know what those words mean now. Maybe that last statement in the Beraita, that the reason the Besa, when it got mixed in with another thousand, they're all invalidated. There's no bitul, There's no Achare Rabbim There's no Hat Bitre Batil. There's none of this annulment and, and knocking it out. It's because it's Davar Hashuv. Says the Gemara, we're going to have to define what a Davar Hashuv is. We have two approaches to Davar Hashuv in the context of buying based on numbers. Hani. So we have two statements here in the Gemara which are stolen from the lines ahead. And just one word is different, "it" or "call." What do I mean by, what are those words? First of all, the, the, the continued words we understand, darko, its way, limano, to be counted. During the time of sale. So we understand that. Right? We understand those words. Darko, the way of its sale is limanotes by numbers, by counting. What's the difference between it, it is, and coal, all of? The difference between those two goes like this, quite simply. It means this is the only way it's sold. You cannot walk into any store across the world or this country or this city and buy eggs without it being counted out and being sold based on number. That's very hashu. That's all. Then maybe that's the definition of hashibut. That's not the case with, with, with eggs, apparently, during the time of the Gemara. Time of the Gemara, eggs could either be sold by number or be sold as an evaluation. You have about this amount. However, if the opinion alternatively is kolshedar kolimano, the fact that sometimes it's sold by numbers. That in and of itself makes it hashub, then we understand. Do you understand what happened here in the Gemara? Again, the Gemara says if you maintain that the objective definition, the definition of davar davar hashub, something important is sometimes it's sold based on numbers, we're in good shape over here. Now I understand why eggs, even when it's mixed in with a thousand, invalidates the whole, the whole bushel. Why does it invalidate the whole thing? It's hashub? hashub, that's not that hashub, doesn't need to be that hashub, that's the definition of davar hashub. Alternatively, there's an opinion that says, et shedarko she means it's the only way it's sold. Are eggs that hashub, they're not that hashub. So says the Gemara Hanihah, this is all understood, your answer will stand water, will be strong, Le'manda amar according to the opinion whom we'll encounter in just a few moments, that maintains kol it's sometimes sold based on number, that's eggs, Shaninu, that's what we were learning in the words of Rabime ear later on. leman de Amar, but rather according to that conflicting opinion, the other one, Kolimano, the only way it's sold is by counting. That's the definition of Davar Hashub. How are you going to explain our case of eggs? That's just not the case with eggs. You can't define eggs as a devar hashuv according to that opinion. So that's, that's where we get stuck at this point. So we made it a little bit better. We said, okay, we can explain it according to one opinion. can't explain it according to the other opinion. Obviously, we want to satisfy all the opinions. But where'd you get these opinions from? They're just uh, We're just talking about them? No, now we ground it. Titnan. As the Mishnah, and here we're going to have our grounding for definition, again, the heading of this Mishnah, even though it's going to deal with specific details, the heading is, what is a davar hashub? What is an item where, when mixed in with others, it will not be mevutal? And assuming it has a problem with it, we have all sorts of halachic problems with regards to kashrut. We're going to talk about fruits and vegetables in a moment. We're going to talk about things called kilayim, when they were crossbred and then it got mixed with others. Crossbred items is a big problem. Is isur hanayim, how do I get any benefit, let alone eat from it? You're not only to sell to a non-Jew. Uh, you have problems of taking ma'asrot, you, you need to tithe it. And if you didn't tithe it and it got mixed in with other things, you're in a lot of trouble in all these sorts of circumstances. That's what we're about to address. And in that context, we're going to try to figure out is there bitul? How are you going to define bitul? Well, we have two options. Ditran, as the Mishnah said, Misha Hayu Lo Tiltan Shel Kil'e Hakerim. Tiltan Rashi interprets as a spice of sorts. Kotniot mean Kotniot shemetabelin Metabelin Et It's some sort of legume which was used as a way of, with your pot, you you readied it at the beginning. You gave it some sort of spicing, some sort of taste. Okay. So I don't know what, what's the English translation of Tiltan fenegagri great fosuuli great so there it is now you have the imagery I wish I knew what that was but I do Anyway, uh, th- this one I don't that's what we're referring to with fenugreek well apparently uh, apparently or rashi all right a type of bean a legguumatra okay now this Specific bean, which would be used as spicing, not, not the essential issue over here, is problematic. It was born in a vineyard with grapes. Uh, that's a problem. That it was born crossbred with grapes, that's problematic. Torah says you're not allowed to have kilayim. To the extent the Torah says in Devarim Perekav Betra, she quotes from the Gemara in Masechet Kiddushin and Dafnun Vav, the Torah says that you need to, according to the understanding of the rabbis, you need to burn it. Anything that's kilei that was crossbred in the vineyard needs to be burned to is the dirasha and needs to be lit up in flames. Well, that's, that's scary stuff. So, what? Why is that? What's the uh, what's the underpinnings of kelim? You want a philosophy class here? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the just in literally twenty seconds. Apparently, apparently, God's statement to us about this world is: I want you to innovate, but I want there to be structure and guidelines in your innovation. I don't want you just going wild with regards to however and whatever you determine is right and you see fit. I'm going to give you guidelines now in terms of the specifics on that. We need to discuss that, and I have and would, uh, just not right now. But that's the beginning of it. So that's a big deal. I want you to invite. I want you to go out. Kipshua, uh, Got these guidelines. Don't just crossbreed hekir between things. What's that? But that's the point. Oh yeah, I thought you asking me what's the pro. No, 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 no. We also have we also have kilaim uh, and other contacts here. We have to be talking. Now, you and I can't do that. We can buy it and enjoy it. Right, so that's the, yeah, but that's 100%. What's the halakha? They need to be burned. You're not let to get any benefit from Kile HaKerim. What happens if they then got mixed in with others? Oh my goodness, now I'm in a lot of trouble. I walked into my uh, storehouse and uh, warehouse of, of crops and I have the Havile Tiltan and said, Yeah, I just dropped it. You dropped it in and got dropped. Uh, maybe I have Bitul. What's the halacha? They all need to be lit up and uh, on fire. What? And you can't. It's not destroyed. Destroyed. Divrer That's the opinion of bimir. Apparently, it has a certain hashiva. Apparently, something along those lines. <speaking> Hachamim <from> omrim. <foreign> ya'alu <language> be'ahatu matayim. Hachamim disagree, and they say, listen, the halakha is, it's ya'alu. We'll define that word in a second. As long as you have a, 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 <izes> a ratio of 200 to 1. 200 good stuff to 1 problematic. <Listen, glio> um, that's called bitul. What is it, where do we get that number 200? We've heard of 60, we've heard of two versus one, majority. 200 is the rabbinic enactment with regards to kilayim. They were very stringent about that. Hametz, we know there's no bitul, kilayim, 200. What does it mean, ya'alu? Rashi on our Gemara suggests ya'alu means you need to take one out, raise one up. You need to burn one to every 200 and the rest is permitted. What's that? No, no, that's in mevatilini suli khatechila. Uh, so you have 200 to one. According to Rashi, you take one, you burn it, and the 200 is permitted. Take one, burn it, the next 200 is permitted. Uh, the side of the Gemara, the Gilion quotes from Rash, Rabbi Hashem Shon of Shans, who disagrees. It's not what Ya'alu means. Ya'alu just means there's a bitul based on a mishnah masechet kilayim, either way, or masechet ola either way you have it, that's the halacha according to the Chachamim. We're most interested, as Charlie pointed out, in Rabi Bimeir Bimeir in telling us we have no bitul, is telling us something about this Havilet Tiltam, Something about this uh, being, something makes it incapable of being the invalidated. What is that? Shehayar Bimeir Omer explains the Mishnah for us. Explains the Mishnah for us. Rabbi Meir used to explain Et limanot mekadesh. His statement is, If something is sold by the number, it in turn, so to speak, sets aside everything else. I'm translating mikadish instead of sanctifying as setting aside. It makes it problematic. Of course, we have that in Torah. We have kadeshah. Kadeshah is anything but a woman who is sanctified. It's a woman who's a harlot. We call her Kedeshah because Kedusha not so much means sanctity and holiness, it means something that separates. She separated herself like this. So over here, Mikle Echidar Kolim Manot. So those are the words of Rabbi Mir. Now, if we already just read those words of Rabbi Mir, there's going to be a Mahloket, obviously, on what those actual words are. But his statement is Echidar Kolim Manot. It means that something which is specifically counted when sold and only counted when sold So the only way it's sold. That's the <laughs> hashu. That's his statement. What's that? And that makes it hashuv. Now again, it would be a problem in our Gemara because it's not kol. <speaking in Hebrew> disagree and they say, "Listen, oh, we like your approach. We do agree there is something called davar Hashub, uh, but we're a little bit along the lines of Nathan. We're a little bit more refined in our understanding of hashivut." Six things. it <speaking in Hebrew> Seven things. Six or seven. That's hashuv. Everything else, very important, very nice. Not davar hashuv halacha speaking. Uh, what are those six or seven things? All right, here we go. That's for your uh, edification and enjoyment. The Ve'iluhen, now you can know what the, during that time period was the hashub stuff. I say today it's anything sold in Uri. That's what I hold. But, but I told you, it says, these are the following. Again, why we mention this? Mahluk between Bimeir and Chachamim. bimeir statement is, I'm getting a cut from Uri afterwards. I, uh, please, tell, tell him how much I talked about. Maybe they'll help me a little bit. I, I, I could barely walk in there. It's a price, anyway. But as a, the, the statement is, Rebbe Meir, who's going to be our most interested, or we're going to be most interested in him. Chachamim, okay, it's a side point. The Hachamim disagree. What are, according to the Hachamim, unlike Rabbi Meir, is a little bit more expansive in his definition of hashrub. Hachamim have six things. Rabbi Akiva has seven things. What are they? Egoze perich. It's uh, what is that? Walnuts, which come from a place called perich. I guess they had uh, very f- special walnuts. Kilche kerub and uh, stalks, I assume that means of cabbage, I think is kirub. Vedala'at, I skipped a line, I'm sorry. Vrimone ba'dan, and uh, uh, pomegranates come from a place called ba'dan, haviot situmot, if you have um, barrels which are sealed, once they were open, they lost their hashibut, and inside of them, they have wine or uh, oil, or olive oil, not olives per se, well, could be olives as well, but it, it has to do more with the status of what's inside of it. Uh, generally speak, we assume wine or, or oil. Halifei um, Tardin, Tardin I think is, uh, is radish, is it not? What's that? Beets. Beets, okay, Halife Tardin is beet stuff. Kilhekeru, is stalks of this one I got, cabbage. It's gourds, I think, which come from Greece. Okay. Rabbi Akiva Mosif, Afki Rabbi Akiva says, and even loaves of bread which are not to be sold. If your wife, if the baker for himself made loaves of bread, those are the most hashub When you make them commercially, when you make them to be sold, you don't put as much into it, you don't make them as big, you make them in order to get out of off the shelf and they're Baal Habayit that's the difference between Baal Habayit and nachtom. that's Hashub says Rabbi Akiva to the extent that there's no bitul it's a davar Hashub Haraui Le'ola Ola Haraui kileh Kerim Kileha and then depending on what we're talking about over the course of these six or seven things uh, there are different vi- there are different prohibitions that are connected to them when I'm dealing with something that grows from a tree so I have something called Orla in the first three years of the growth of those fruits uh, you have a problem you're not allowed to benefit you're not allowed to eat from it that's what we call orla. When you're dealing with something that's not grown from a tree, I still have a problem called Kile hakerim. That's the crossbreeding in a vineyard of sorts. Well, the point then in the Mishnah over here is that Rabbi Meir's statement was, how do I define hashub? It's based on if it's sold by number. The hachamimu disagree, they have a list. But ultimately speaking, ultimately speaking, we're looking to define hashub. Now, on this Mishnah, itmar ala, on this Mishnah, in this context, there was a machloke between a Biohanan and Shimon ben Lakish. What were those words of Rabbi Meir? We just read the words of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir's words were Etchedar Kolimanot. Now, ironically, the word it is is a two-letter word, which over the course of time, if I speak it and I don't speak it clearly, or you don't hear it clearly, and you transmit it orally to the next person, might be transformed into kol, or kol might be transformed into it. Not that they're identical, not that they actually sound the same, but over time, you're dealing with one word, and just changing one two-letter word can have a world of a difference. There's a question over here with regards to what did R. B. Meir say? Did be Meir say it? which means that what's considered davar hashub only if it is specifically and only sold by number, but if it's ever sold by evaluation, by approximation, it's not davar hashub? Or did he say kol sheddar dar kol Was he more expansive in his prohibition of saying it's a davar hashub and saying, if it's even oftentimes or sometimes sold by number? That's gonna be the mahlokit here. We understand then in our broader context of this sugya, the significance, eggs, Eggs are Apparently, unlike today, eggs were not always sold by the number, they were sometimes sold by omid, aleph vav mem dalit, by evaluation, by approximation. Is it a davar hashub or not? If I argue kol, kol imanot, I solve the riddle, everything's finished. That beraitah which we began the day with, which we end yesterday with, we solved it. What's the safik we're talking about? Safik terefa, we know what those words mean. Why is it that if it then got mixed into thousands of others, it's still a problem? davar hashub. Why is it a davar Hashu? Because sometimes it's sold based on number. That's one opinion. According to the other opinion, who it says it's not that it's sometimes sold by it has to always be sold by number. I'm still in I'm still in a I'm still in a, in a predicament. I still have the question. The itmar alayh it was said in the midrash with regard to the statement of Rabbi Meir, a resh What were his words? Shaninu means we learned. Concludes the Gemara in its statement partial answer, leaves a lingering question, Haniha, we now have solved the riddle, Noah means it's pleasant, it's easy for us to understand, let it be Shimon ben Lakish for that latter opinion, who said Kol shedar kol imanum. now I solved it, I understand, Betza, eggs are davar hashuv hanan, but rather important to the opinion of Biro Hanan, who says Echedar kol imanum. needs to be only specifically sold by number, that's not eggs, Ma'ika how will we answer this Beraita, how can we solve it for our purposes we'll return to this tomorrow Baruch Amen Amen